Welcome to Milkmaid's Podcast, the unconventional homesteading podcast. I'm Stephanie from Wyoming. And I'm Tara from Montana. Join us each week as we take a deep dive into an inclusive homesteading topic from canning, dairy animals, gardening, animal husbandry, and everything in between. It's Milkmaid's Part 2. Part, part, part 2, two. Honeybees. Hopefully... This will be the last of the honeybees episode for now. Yeah. You spent a lot of time doing this. Oh, and my God. Like I said, we should sell it as a book, honestly. It's seriously tw- like, I don't think I wrote a research paper in college this long. No. Like, <laughs> right. And then here's the thing like, when you're an adult, you actually want to do these things, which is yeah. ridiculous. And then at the same time, you're like, okay, I need to get out of this. But this we, is enough. <laughs> we love our listeners. So I say we, like, I did anything. <laughs> It's very cool to research and learn. Yeah. Um, I've just been like so, in, what's the word? Like deep suffocated by bees. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. if I'm sitting down and taking a break at all, I'm like Googling something about bees or looking right. at my book. You know what I mean? Which right. is nothing against bees or the podcast or anything. Just speaks to my obsessive nature, really. Oh, right. Yeah. Once you're in, you're like completely yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. This is my life now. Uh-huh. Again, it's brought to you by bees, for bees, and all about bees. It's a side dose of ADHD. Right. <laughs> we just described our podcast very right. well. <laughs> it's great. Join us. This one's going to be weird. I didn't do a shout out. I got, okay, it's snowing. I got yeah, stuck on a hill. Yeah, you want to talk about your day? <laughs> <laughs> I love that I'm not even home and I'm calling you about my problems. <laughs> like I could even do anything about it. Right, right, right. You in Wyoming, please come here and help me with Vanny DeVito. Vanny DeVito. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know why I decided to go to town on the only day it has snowed significantly. But I was like, you know what? I need to be a better mom. I need to spend time with my child, which is also your fault, Stephanie. Right. Peer pressure. Right. right. Yeah. You're very good about doing that at the library. So I was like, <laughs> I'll take my kid to the library. It'll be fun. And then I read online last night because I was feeling guilty like oh take your kid for hot chocolate it'll be fun and so I did that it was great (laughs) and then I'm heading home and my tires are completely bald mind you right and I knew that I had to get I had to excel to get up this hill and then I got stuck in the middle of it because this guy like was in the middle of the road and I had to stop my van completely right because this person who's probably not from here like almost hit me so um I was stuck there for a good 20 minutes until these dudes had to come they pull up with their little electrical van and then another big truck behind them. And they're like, do you need help? I was like, yeah, I kind of am driving a van and I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so it's embarrassing, number one. Like, you don't want to be no, right. a burden. Right. I never ask for anything. And then they go to get out of their car and then they come over and they're like, okay, we're going to push. So they start pushing on the van and then they look up and right directly in his face is my Danny DeVito sticker right. on my Naturally. van. Naturally. And they all start laughing. I kind of forget that I have that sticker on there and I'm like, they're laughing at me. Right? I'm a joke now. <laughs> a joke. Oh my <laughs> And then gosh. I realized what they were laughing at. But good news, I got unstuck and then I had to call you immediately after. <laughs> Guess what happened? Right, right. Yeah. And you made the joke that me and my kid are like, sitting in the van waiting to be rescued more than we're like driving it this is yeah and it's not always the van like you've had a series of car problems but like the yeah. number of times that you and this one specific child yes are stuck together in a vehicle <laughs> not doing anything else but waiting right is really 
It's a situation. Statistically unlikely, but it right. happens. All the time. You know uh -huh. what he said, too? He's like, uh-oh, we need help again. And he just kept <laughs> saying that. That's what he said? Your kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> we need help. Here we go again. Yeah. And he's like, every time a car went by, they didn't check on me. Because, oh of course, it's like a steep hill. So right. they didn't want to stop. I don't blame them. Yeah, I guess I get that. But, like, you weren't just hanging out on the side of the hill for fun. No, no. Yeah. Right? Everyone for themselves here right. in Montana right now. Right. To be fair, it's not a fast road, though. I was going to say, I used to stop for people all the time. Yeah. Back when I was, like, super naive and whatever. Right. Like, right. the number of full-grown men that I've stopped for. Right. I There's no reason I shouldn't have been kidnapped. <laughs> Um, I think about that in hindsight too. I'm like, I, I listened to too many murder podcasts. I'm no, like, I'm sorry. I mean, I've picked up and drove around more hitchhikers than I can count. Bless your heart. Uh, yeah. Like what was I thinking? <laughs> Anyhow, but I wouldn't have stopped for you either. Other no. than it is a slower road. So I would have been able to see it's female, but also sometimes right. you get double tapped. So it's hard yeah. to, right. hard to stop for a female sometimes too. Right. Yeah. But I feel yeah. like since you're kind of my best friend, you probably would have stopped or Maybe. you would have laughed no. while you drove right. by. <laughs> You'd be like, ha, ah, <laughs> you dummy. Bye. Bye. I would have given you a ride, but this uh, pregnant roly-poly is not pushing Danny DeVito anywhere. <laughs> no. Sorry no, no, about no. it. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're not helpful to me. Sorry about it. Six big men were very helpful to push my van <laughs> up. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Just imagine actual Danny DeVito being there and how helpful he would be. Uh, right. right. He probably would have loved that there's a Danny DeVito sticker, probably. a sticker of himself on a right. van. <laughs> so that means that our friends or who are listening, who are still holding on, you know, seven <laughs> minutes into my story, get to listen about Beast part two. Yep. Beast part two. So if you didn't listen last week, it's kind of okay. These two episodes could technically stand alone. But if you are at all interested in Beast, it was a great episode. We talked about Bees in general, who they are. <laughs> yeah, house right. bees, field bees, Harry Potter bees. Um, As, what are they? Astrology bees? Astrology bees. Yes. Right? <laughs> and uh, a kick-ass section on history. So all of that really does make you a better beekeeper if you want to know it. And it's interesting, even if you don't care. You Listen, don't you go to a cocktail bees. party and you talk in, about it. like right. yeah, anything interesting like that. Like, did you know that the Egyptian sign was a bee? And... <laughs> Right. A plant. And then right. they came together and made one Egyptian sign. People would be like, okay, you're cool. Or please don't talk to me. <laughs> this is but why we'll nobody goes you. to cocktail parties anymore. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So um, this next section, we're going to talk about actually keeping up the bees, which is what you all probably came here for anyway. So I like how you put that keeping of the bees. The keeping of the bees. We should yeah. entitle the episode that. The keeping side. of the bees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just title it Beaks and nobody will know what you're talking about. Right. I didn't. Right. But now I know. Now we know. So a beak or a shorthand term for a beekeeper. Abbreviation. Just abbreviation. That's a better yeah. word. Yeah. All right. So before we get started, boring beekeeping housework. First off, there's a couple things that you need to check into if you're thinking about keeping bees. One is laws, local ordinances, that kind of thing. And the other is allergies. So... First, be sure to check your local laws. It's definitely more of a thing inside city limits, less so rurally, although cities make fantastic places to keep bees. So don't be afraid. Just because you live in the city, don't be like, oh, milkmaid said I can't. Look into it because there's a lot of cities that let you. 
And sometimes the laws are as simple as like, just do whatever you want. Just let the state know you have a hive and how many, um, which is pretty much where what's required here where I live. Sometimes there's no laws at all. Sometimes there's a fee, like you have to pay 20 bucks to be a licensed beekeeper or whatever. Cool. And sometimes there's, right. Sometimes there's limits, like only a hive, one hive per acre or whatever, right? One hive, but it has to be this far from a property line or what have you. Sometimes hives are not loud at all. Allowed at all. (laughs) They're not really loud either, but they're not a loud. You can get around this too by just maybe driving 15 minutes away from where you live. Like I know a ton of people, my tattoo artist used to do this. She used to just put it on people's places that she got permission from. Mm -hmm. Like she knew that it was legal to do it in this place because there was no covenants there. So just because you can't do it necessarily right outside your backyard doesn't mean you can't do it, period. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. Yeah, so there are multiple options then if you can't, if the state or the county or the city says no bees on your property, that is a good option is you can contact somebody out of town. Right. And a lot of people will be like, oh, sure, no problem, whatever you want. Some people are like, hey, give me a pint of honey at the end of the season, right? Like, Which you should be doing You should do anyways, yeah. Right. But also the bees serve them a purpose too. So if that doesn't seem reasonable to you for whatever reason, maybe you don't have a car and driving to a different location to check isn't realistic, I strongly encourage anybody, if you live in a town where they don't allow bees inside the city limits, get loud because that's unacceptable. And you can change things. Like don't think just because you're one person, like become educated, listen to these episodes, branch off from there, get books from your library. You are a bee advocate now. Yeah. And you can change laws easily. We did it in Montana with the Food Freedom Act and it didn't take very many of us to do that. Right. So Stephanie's right. You can do it. Yeah. And especially on a town level, it's less intimidating than on a whole state level, you know? Right, Um, right. But, and and a lot of times these laws and ordinances are just either strictly outdated and no one's even thought about them for generations. Exactly. Or um, they just come from a place of lack of education. So if you go in there to your town meeting and you're like, this is why this law should be changed. These are all the benefits that bees offer. Sometimes it just comes from, no one's looked at this law or bothered to even change it. Right. So... You may be the one that gets the ball rolling on it, in which case that's that's incredible. So don't be discouraged. There are other options. Right. And you again, it's a puzzle piece. Like yeah. with homesteading or farming or being more self-sufficient, literally everything is a puzzle. You have to figure it out. If you don't try, you can never solve it. So just keep trying. Right. So the other thing to think about is allergies. Um, getting stung is not super common at all, although that will be... The one and only question that people ask you at cocktail parties. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get stung all the time? How many times have you been stung? It's like what anybody ever wants to know. Have you been stung before? Yeah, but um, once since we've okay. had bees in three years. Right. And here's the thing. I got stung in the garden and I like literally put my hand around the bee as I was harvesting. Yeah. Like, the bee had no other choice. I wasn't even right. beekeeping. Right. So Brian has been stung probably three or four times. Yeah. But he's also riskier than I am. We are also risky. Yeah. And the only time I've been stung is because I was out there and I didn't have my hair up. And one yeah. got stuck they in my hair. They get stuck in hair. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was my fault. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Getting stuck in hair is pretty common for bees. <laughs> yeah. That does seem to be a big concern for people. But it's just not as big of a concern as what usually comes across for the newbie. Right. 
I've been stung by bald face hornets, so this is like nothing. A honeybee is like, eh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you hornet people. I have no idea. <laughs> However, if you right, if you have allergies to bees or are right. deathly allergic to bees, it only takes one sting, right? So like, yeah, maybe maybe it's not your thing. Maybe reconsider. Right. Or talk to your doctor about options. Like, we're not in charge of you. So that's something. Just be logical in that common sense. Regardless of your allergy level, though, if you do have the means to acquire an EpiPen to keep on hand, please do that because it could work for you. Even if you're not allergic but have a weird reaction one time, great. You have it on hand. Yeah. Um, A friend who's visiting, whatever. If you can have one, great. Uh, I wouldn't say it's something you need to run out and try and acquire right off the bat, but they are good to have. And if you talk to your doctor, maybe you might be able to get it. I know that the EpiPen thing was like... I don't even know if that situation's calmed down. Oh, how expensive Hashtag they are. Hashtag privileged. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyways, it may or may not be realistic. I don't actually know at this very current current time. Right. But so those are just two things that like before you get this train rolling too far, look at your laws, think about allergy risks and uh, go from there. Yeah. So don't, like when you're placing your hives, don't place them near where kids play, things yeah. like that. You just yeah. Don't, it's not logical to have it near a play place in a park. You know what I mean? Right. Like, don't take it use, down to your city park. Yeah. Right. Use your brain. Yeah, for sure. Simple as that. So into hive equipment, um, we'll talk about the most common one and then a side note one, but definitely the most common type of hive is the Langstroth hive. Uh, this is the one that you'll see on commercial operations. Also the one similar in concept to like a broiler, it's what you're going to find the most information on. Right. When you YouTube beekeeping, you're going to find Langstroth hives, right? So simply for that reason, it's it's something I recommend always starting with whatever has the most resources and branching off from there. We'll get into other options though. So how a Langstroth hive works, again, audio platform on something that truly should be visual. <laughs> She's going to um, act it out for you. Right. If you, right. if you look at my hands... The easiest way to describe this is it's simply a bunch of boxes stacked up on top of each other, right? Mm -hmm. And on the bottom, we'll start at the bottom, you'll find a bottom board that's just really what it sounds like, seals off the bottom of the hive. And sort of along the bottom apparatus, there's the entrance, right? And a lot of times you'll want what's called an entrance reducer. And this is a bar that simply inserts into the entrance of the hive And then it has a couple different settings as far as how big you'd like the entrance to be. And you'll monitor and change that throughout the season. We'll kind of talk about that in a little bit. This is is where it gets complicated to describe too, because what this apparatus looks like through the season changes. So it's hard hard to figure out where to start. But for an established hive, one that you've had going either the whole year or year two or whatever, there's typically two brood boxes. Brood boxes can also be called deeps or deep supers. Um, these boxes contain 10 frames, usually 10. Some people do nine. Ten's very common though. The bees use these lower boxes to lay and raise their brood um, and, and store some of their food as well for the winter season. And it's kind of like a general statement because through the season, this changes as far as like the ratio of brood to, to food. But typically this is where the babies are, right? On top of the brood boxes then you'll find what's called honey supers. Sometimes they're just called supers and sometimes they're called shallows. These boxes also contain 10 frames and this is where the honey for harvest is made. So they're more shallow as the name name would indicate. 
They're also shallows and mediums as far as size goes. Some people get mediums. We've always done the shallows. The reason they're shorter than the brood boxes, um, despite the fact that they do really serve the same purpose, but when they're full of honey, they're so flipping heavy. And if you had a full-sized one up there, it would be a it would be truly a lot to handle. Not to mention they make the honey at the top of the hive. So it's above your at least me anyways, it's above my leverage point, right? It's more like up at my shoulders that you have to lift this huge box off of the top of that. So that's really the only reason that they're a smaller box. So if physical strength isn't your number one quality, you may consider doing the shallows instead of the mediums for sure. Even if it, like Brian's really super strong, but we still do the shallows. It's just very common. Yeah. How many honey supers you'll need will sort of depend on your geographical area and what type of beekeeper you intend to be. I'd recommend probably at least two for nearly anyone. Um, If you're in the south with a longer growing season, you'll either have to stay on top of your honey harvest to make sure that your bees always have room to build and store honey. Um, or just get more supers. If you're in the north like us, two boxes very well may get you the entire season. So basically you just need to make sure they have room. If you have two boxes, you can rotate, pull one and put a new one on and harvest that and then and then switch it back out again. Right. If you're lazier or time restricted, just add more on top. Yeah. In which case you'll be buying more honey supers. But there is an optional item called a queen excluder. And this is a tiny mesh, for lack of a better word, in the shape of the boxes. And it's placed in between the brood chamber and the honey super. So in between the deep and the shallows, in other words. The thought behind this queen excluder is that the worker bees can fit through it and move higher in the hive into the honey storage, but the queen cannot. And why this matters is that means that she can't get up into the top to lay eggs where honey should go. Right. Queen excluders can be highly controversial. Because why not? Right. I think really, I think it's like controversial for no good reason. Some things are controversial because they truly are, right? Right. Um, Experienced beaks say that you don't need one because it can slow the worker bees down and lessen your harvest, right? Because they have to orient their body to get through that mesh. Just takes a half a second off their efficiency maybe. Um, Okay. I get it. Like, I get it. However, um, those experienced beekeepers also have the experience required to read a hive and know when to add or swap boxes to ensure that she won't ever have a reason to go up there and lay eggs at all, right? Right. Newbies might not know how to recognize those signs, and then that could potentially spoil your honey harvest. I personally think that if you're new, just use one. It just gives you a better buffer um, on time to learn how to read a hive. And if you lose a tiny bit of honey, so be it. I just think it's kind of like an insurance plan. Yeah. Really? So anyhow, do some research on that if you're at all concerned about it. But they're, I don't think they're nearly as big of a deal as people try and make them out to be. Yeah. So, it's just one of those things like I've always done it this way and you should too. Right. Like it doesn't right. work. Real life does not work like that, my friends. No. No. And it's interesting too, like each, what each um, niche kind of decides is the big ticket item. You know what I mean? Right. And queen excluders seem to be the thing in the beekeeping world, but good. Back to the hive assembly on top of your honey supers, you'll have an inner cover, which seals things off. And then on top of that, there's an outer cover and that just protects against the elements. So that's pretty much the construction of the general hive diving into a hive box for a second. Like I said, there's usually 10 frames 
And a frame is sort of what it sounds like. It's really just a wooden rectangle. Um, they're kind of built in such a way that they sit into the box just so, but that's really all it is, a wooden rectangle. Inside the wooden rectangle is a sheet of foundation, like, like a picture would be inside of a frame, right? The foundation then is a thin rectangle that's purpose is to provide a foundation for bees to build beeswax comb to fill with honey, brood, bread, etc. This is, again, such a bizarre thing to not have a visual component to. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. We're trying our best. We are doing it. <laughs> the foundations come in a lot of different varieties. And this, um, people tend to have kind of opinions on too. Again, uh, if you're doing 3D chess version of bees and are that experienced, then maybe it matters. But anyhow, there's multiple different types. Multiple colors of plastic and also a straight up true beeswax are both options. And of a lot of experienced beekeepers think that the true beeswax is better. And maybe it is, it probably is, honestly, because it's the natural, the natural way to go, right? We don't in, in the homesteading world and surely on milkmaids here, we try to avoid plastics for a whole bunch of reasons, but <laughs> I'm gonna contradict that. And I'm gonna advise that you go with a black plastic. <laughs> and a note on that is that plastic does have a light coating of beeswax on it already. So you will have that separation between the honey and, and the plastic regardless. The reason I recommend black, even though it's it doesn't seem natural like the beeswax, is that it makes it much, much, much easier to see these tiny little white eggs that the queen lays. And the more experienced in evaluating your hive you get, the easier it'll be for you to spot them on natural beeswax too. But the black provides a nice contrast between the black foundation and the white eggs and that'll just help you train your eye faster on being able to find them and we'll talk here in a few about why it's important to be able to find eggs but the black foundation does make it a lot easier and note on the Langstroth hives in general the frames and foundations the entire thing has been designed with quote unquote bee space in mind and bee space I think is the coolest so it's a term used to describe five sixteenths of an inch which is super, <laughs> so specific super normal right so this exact measurement though is crucial and it's the main reason why these hives are so successful. So if the space is less than that in any given area of the hive, the bees won't be able to move through it freely and they'll just seal it off. They'll glue the whole thing shut with propolis. Um, it's, it's just an area of weakness for them. If they can't get through it, they're not interested. Okay. If the space is larger than this, they'll build an unnecessary comb called a burr comb just to fill the space. First, this is work that they are doing on spacing issues rather than building you extra honey, right? Which is what yeah. we're here for. Right. So it's rather wasteful. And secondly, this extra comb or propolis, depending on whatever they decide to fill the space with, makes it more challenging to work inside your hive because the frames are no longer sliding how they should be. And you've got to break apart a bunch of work in order to mm -hmm. open a frame and then they have to rebuild it. So it's just one of those things. The Langstroth hive, though, is built such that the spacing is exactly 5 sixteenths of an inch. Yeah. Which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Pretty fascinating. And they had to, like, troubleshoot that, too, to figure out the yeah. exact 5 sixteenths. Right. To figure out what that B space is, which yeah. is really, again, one of those little there's your cocktail party fact, in my opinion. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting thing. So the other type of hive that kind of exists out there definitely in smaller numbers. It's called a top bar hive, which is what Tara has. Yeah, I actually have 
well, we have five made. We use three currently. We also also do have a Langstroth that I bought my husband. But the reason we started with top bars is because they're so easy to build. And then also it's just a lot cheaper to start with if you can do that. So it was just a better option for us because at the time we couldn't afford Langstroth hives. So yeah, that's what we have. And so I'm going to talk about the equipment for top bar beehives. It's a less common type of hive and they are so much less common that only one of four beekeeping books that Steph has even mentions them. So we're just going to cover them briefly just because this is what I have and what I started with. And I love mine because they have observation windows so we can just uh, did I show you that Stephanie mm-hmm. when you were yeah, here? Yeah, I actually not all top bar hives have that, but I think yours are pretty cool for that. Yeah, that was definitely Doug's invention, and one hive built comb over it just because they didn't like the very minimal light that was coming through, I guess. Yeah. And then the other one didn't, um, just because it seems to be like better sealed. No light was coming through because we right. can open it and close it. It's just really, really cool to be able to see the bees working. Yeah, totally. And then we didn't have to disturb them as much because we didn't have to actually open it up to check on them. So I right. liked that part. I'll take a picture of that. Um, our bees are currently dead, so right. <laughs> it's not even fun to look in really, but we still yeah. have a home in there. So it is kind of neat to see that. Right. So they're in some ways wildly different and in some ways exactly the same. I've seen them be made out of like plastic barrels some people just grab scraps of wood and make what they can and some people get really intricate with it so you can pretty much make them however as long as it's uh, following the same basic ways the main difference is the construction and orientation they are designed more in like a horizontal fashion so that the bees are building outwards instead of up yeah they're not going up so they're going to the side I guess you could say Mm -hmm. again it's really hard to like I know. Share on an audio platform. <laughs> I but know. Follow along. And this is like sort of like a triangle and it's elevated off the ground. They also don't have frames in the same way that the Langstroth hives have. Th- these hives actually mimic a style of beekeeping in Africa. So bees in Africa tend to be migratory. So keepers found that they could use like hollowed out logs that are two to three feet long and one to 1.5 feet in diameter. I'm sure is not how things are measured in Africa, but. Oh, I know. What is the, is it? That's how I wrote this. So come at me. (laughs) Oh, I wish I knew it, but I don't. We're problematic. Right. Crockpots. So it's a couple crockpots long by one crockpot in diameter. Right. So they would close both ends and crafting an entrance out of like one end. They would elevate the logs and wait for the bees to arrive. And when the season was over and the bees moved on, they would lower the hive and like harvest the honey, which is really, really cool that they figured that out. Yeah. Talk about, talk about uh, using the resources you have. Seriously. Mm -hmm. And I love that people can do that too. If you want to get started on a budget, this is a great way to do it if you're handy. Yeah. These hives did come from a place of trying to find a cheap way to collect honey. So they took the concept of a log, but they also wanted a way to harvest honey without destroying all the comb, hence the top bar. So they created this U-shaped vessel or V-shaped, like think of a bottom half of like a horizontal log and added top bars to it. These top bars give the bees a ceiling to create their comb or their own foundation from while still offering the beekeeper a way to remove a layer of comb and honey. So the pro of these is that they are fairly easy to build and not nearly as sensitive to spacing and such since the bees do that part for you so in fact it's usually the only way to acquire one as they can be so hard to find like pre-built and 
We do actually have some on Craigslist that I'll see every so often. Oh, do you really? Yeah. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen one for sale. Really? Yeah, but I I also haven't like looked to buy a top bar either. Right. There's a whole Facebook group dedicated to top bar beehive sure. people. And I don't don't put yourself in this group like to only top bar is the only way to go or only yeah. Nashroth is the only way to go. I think I like that we have both. And the really fun thing about it is nobody knows what they are if you yeah. have a top bar beehive, whereas if you have like a conventional beehive, everyone knows what they are. So it's kind of a fun little yard decoration and right. people ask you about it. So yeah, conversation kind of piece. Fun. Right. But the cons of these hives is that in, ex- uh, in extreme winters, they can be quite a challenge to keep your bees alive. But I have had them do fine in zone five. So I have like, well, I, I say I haven't. <laughs> I've never successfully had a top bar hive. Right. I've also but never had one, really... period. <laughs> but right. people in my area say that they don't work well here. See, and then there's people in Alaska that swear up and down that they can. There's a whole paper on this person in Canada that's had it do it fine. Depends on where, though. Right. Most of Alaska is a lot warmer than here, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But... Yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess just look around. Again, top bar beehives. I don't know anyone local to me that actually has any besides us. Yeah. So I, you can't just ask local people because they're going to be like, well, I don't even know what that is most of the time. Yeah. I mean, some, some people have tried it. You never know. Right. And yeah, if you have the means to do both. I was going to say beekeeping is that weird thing where they'll die randomly for three mm-hmm. years straight. Even in a Langstroth, you can lose oh, totally. for absolutely no reason. Totally. The guy who taught Brian and I what to do he's been keeping bees for 15 years this last winter he lost all four of his hives and has zero ideas as to why right like no idea whatsoever and yeah he's been doing this for 15 years and can't yes. figure it out so right. bees kind of are something that sometimes you're going to have success and sometimes you just won't so don't yeah don't necessarily just because your neighbor said don't do a top bar don't necessarily take that as gospel but um just know that I guess that could be potentially an issue and do some research on it further, I guess. One other thing that I'll just mention as something to look up, we're not going to go into it any further, but there is something called a flow hive that has kind of become popular over the last few years. Right. A flow hive might be more controversial than a queen excluder, which is uh, <laughs> saying something. They, in concept, are incredibly cool. The principle of them is that they kind of more mimic a Langstroth hive in the sense that they're a vertical construction. But I mean, the marketing on them is, is that you can harvest honey without opening the hive, right? So you um, manipulate this bar and all of a sudden the honey just flows into a jar, right? Yes. Which in one respect is really flipping cool, right? People will argue that uh, the, I mean, the way it works is it like breaks the comb and people argue that sets the bees back too far that they're inefficient or what have you. There's also been question, no one in my area has done one before. And when I talked to this guy that was really experienced, he he was really interested if they'd work. He would be kind of concerned about how that moving mechanism would work in the cold here. Um, If it would seize or break or what have you. Not that he was saying that would happen. That was just like his thought, you know, oh, I wonder if, right? Right. Um, hopefully we'll be able to update you on this. Our neighbor just up the hill from us just started into beekeeping and he got a couple of them. Oh, wow. So um, we're, Brian's been help. Brian's been helping him just out of being nice, not just because of the flow hive, but <laughs> I'm interested in this. Let me come over. Yeah. Also Brian's been <laughs> helping him get started on bees, but it, so 
my point is, is the guy is very open on letting, letting us see how it's working and that's cool. That kind of stuff. So hopefully yeah. we'll be able to update on that, but that's, I didn't actually do notes on that one. That's just a, if you're shopping, maybe Google that one too. Right. Um, at some point it'd be fun. Well, we'll see what happens with his up the road. Mm-hmm. As I say, that's kind of one of those things that I like to buy stuff like that just to try and experiment yeah, with. And right. See. So maybe we'll have a episode on the flow highball by itself at one point. But so those are the, the main two types of bee hives anyhow. So we're going to talk about equipment now. Regardless of your hive choice, the basics as far as management and how bees operate are relatively the same. There are a few other things that you will need as well to just get started. A smoker. A smoker is so important. Smoke calms the bees and makes it safer and easier for you to work in the hives. All a smoker really is is a can to hold the fire and a funnel on top to direct the smoke. They usually have an air puffer on the back of it that you can use to control how much smoke it releases. The cool thing is that there's this company that makes like burlap bags local to us. Oh, and nice. every year they just give it away to all the beekeepers. So all of these nerdy beekeeping people come and <laughs> show up once for the burlap. Year. Yeah, my husband totally did and got a whole bunch. And it works great for that. The burlap, what she's talking about, is the burning material that you can use. Yeah. Creates a lot of smoke. You can use a whole bunch of things, but if you have a local burlap producer, right. that's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. And I love that they just get they see a need for the scraps yeah, to be used awesome. that way. Yeah. And then a hive tool. These tools are so versatile versatile and inexpensive that it just makes sense to have one. A hive tool is really just a metal bar with different notches and protrusions used for different purposes. So you can use them to scrape wax, loosen and remove frames, adjust boxes, lots of uses for this one. And it looks like a little, ours is yellow and it looks like a little paint scraper type thing. Yeah, like a paint scraper met up with a crowbar maybe. It's amazing. Yes. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. (laughs) So a bee brush. This is not like mandatory, but it's so nice to have. A bee brush is a wand of long, super gentle bristles, and it's used just to move bees around in a gentle way that doesn't tend to aggravate them. Again, if they sting anything that's a mammal or something like that, they're going to die. So you want to prevent less stress for them, and you don't want to lose a lot when you're doing this. Bee clothing. There's just no way around this. Buy a suit. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. No matter how unafraid of bees you think you are, unless you have been around tens of thousands of bees, you don't know the feeling. We will talk more about this in a bit, but regardless, a suit makes you feel so confident and safe, which is important when dealing with bees. And furthermore, it's just safer. These suits aren't super expensive, and even if you do outgrow using one, They just are so nice to have on hand when your friends come over and you want to see in the hives. It's a cool party trick. (laughs) Totally. They are big white canvas head-to-toe suits. They have zippers, Velcro, and elastic that keeps all entrances sealed off. And they definitely aren't the most comfortable or flattering, but they will make beekeeping a cinch. And you'll also want to get gloves as well. They They make beekeeping gloves that have a long sleeve with elastic that slides up inside of your suit and lastly you need a veil a veil is basically a netted hat this keeps your face and your face holes free from bees <laughs> it's you important wanna, you don't want to be in your ear bees naturally want to explore the dark holes right it's what they do comfortable there right <laughs> and they come in a lot of different styles there's no right or wrong just get one you think you will like and there are other things that you want to have later on down the road in your beekeeping adventure a honey extractor for example But this list will get you started and you can slowly purchase those cool things as you go. We actually have a honey extractor that's local to us that you can rent out 
That's so nice. Feed stores, yeah, we'll rent them out or wow. even talk to somebody and rent them out. They actually have that for uh, chicken processors now. If you join this co-op, you can rent all of the chicken processing equipment for your weekend. So, you guys make me so mad. <laughs> well, move here. We don't have any of the <laughs> simple. We don't have any of those features here. Yeah, so just check locally. Like I'm sure yeah. places that are more populated than Wyoming, you probably have that option. Yeah, and a lot of um, places have like a beekeeping group. Yes. Like a club, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And sometimes the clubs will have equipment for people to rent too. So yeah, check that kind of stuff before you buy. But the list we gave you is like a good starter offer. Yeah. Get this stuff and run with it. So getting set up for your bees. So you have all your equipment. You're ready to get set up. There's a couple things to consider first. Really mainly just location and conditions of where to put your hive. So bees are happy almost anywhere. Like you can put them on 300 acres, like a full functioning farm, or they can even be placed on like an apartment balcony. Some people um, even bring them into the house, but we'll talk about observation hives on a later date, but they're pretty cool too. My son's kindergarten class had an observation hive in the class. Really? Yeah, it was really cool. That's so cool. We wanted to get one and put in our farm store. I thought that would be oh, pretty yeah. fun for like educational purposes. Right. And we may still one day, but yeah, I think we should do an episode on them too. Right. Eventually. So many ideas. So many ideas, right? So regardless of where you put them though, you just have to look at your conditions. So you are going to want to position the hive with the entrance facing south or southeast. This gives them the first sun and also some extra needed heat in the winter when they need to get some air. Ease of access is important for a couple reasons. You want the hive accessible so you can check it without hassle. This will make you a better beekeeper if it's not such a big deal to go check them. Also, close placement will help significantly when it comes to hauling that heavy honey back into the house. That isn't mandatory. Those are all just conveniences, no. right? And you could drive your exactly. Kia out there and put the honey <laughs> in the back of the Only car. if it's a Kia. Only, yeah. only Kias are approved for this, though. <laughs> Right. Um, pay attention to your weather conditions too. So you don't want them in a super windy location, like say on a hilltop, for example, you don't also want them somewhere that's like constantly muggy and still. Um, if you live in a really windy place, just look for like a natural windbreak. If you can trees, hills, sheds, etc. Um, mm-hmm. right now is a great time. If you're thinking about getting bees next year, right now is a great time to start paying attention to that for our Northern hemisphere listeners, because Winter tends to be the biggest struggle for people. Mm-hmm. So you can watch all winter now, right? If you start thinking right. about it. So they also, <laughs> this, this, you'll read this in like every bee book, which cracks me up. They prefer a place that has dappled sunlight, which just seems like a commercial to me. Um, it sounds so finicky. Really, the point is not too hot, not too cold. Ultimately, you'll just need to read your climate. Like I know, Tara, most of your property shaded. It's uh, actually not where we not the where bees. the bees are. Right. Yeah. yeah. My whole property's full sun. Right. It's never once been too hot where I live, so I right. don't really worry about it. But also at the same time, I wouldn't dare put them in shade. Right. Right. Where you're so at. like where I'm at. Right. Um, if you're in Arizona, you might be a lot more concerned about keeping them cool than keeping them warm. Right. Mm-hmm. So just just read your climate and keep that in mind so that the temperature is something you're trying to keep moderated the best of your abilities these are outside animals though so don't get too worked up about it right you'll also want to look for a place that's perfectly level or make a spot that's perfectly level for them if the hive's too tilted it can affect the way that they build their comb 
And ultimately, if you have somewhere with a water source nearby, amazing. Most people don't have that. Um, Tara, Tara's spoiled and has an entire stream running through a property. Yeah, and that's another thing. My husband wanted it as close to the stream as it could be so the yeah. bees could drink. Exactly. And they like rocks. They like to be on rocks when they drink. So make sure you have a way for the bees to not like drown. Yeah. Yeah. The rocks are really just about drowning and you can get as creative with this as you want, as far as building them a drinker. Um, some people put like a pie pan out with a handful of gravel. Yeah. Right. So that the gravel's above the water level so they can stand and drink. Right. Right. Some people will like buy a bird bath and make these gorgeous, like marble or broken glass mosaics inside yeah, right. right you can get as creative with this as you want marbles mm-hmm. yeah we use a chicken drinker and we put rocks yep. around the edge of it yeah but that way we can fill up a five gallon chicken drinker and it works for a while yeah sort of it works situation. great yeah um we have a irrigation ditch that runs through the heat of the summer anyways not far from us but it was yeah one of those decisions that it was like well if we take them all the way to that end of the property it's going to make them harder to check right so and not close to the garden either. Exactly. Yeah. And I like that convenience. A, I enjoy watching them. And B, they can work on pollinating my food easy. Yeah. Which is important. So. I'm going to bring up something that you're not going to like, but uh, cool. I have to. You're terrified of bears. And I'm going to talk ah. about bears for a second. Okay. Bears really do love honey. I live in a place that is really bear heavy. And yeah. I've been really lucky for several years. So we don't have electric around our beehives, although we probably should. Yeah. And it's good to do this if you know that bears are going to be an issue. Do like five strands of Mm -hmm. electric fence. Electric fence is not that hard. If you need to listen to our fencing episode, please do so. But yeah, if you know that bears are going to be an issue, get on that right away before you even put bees in there. Yeah, protecting your hives is important. And even um, uh, I've seen like on Facebook groups like elk taking hives Mm -hmm. apart. Not that they're trying to get the honey, no, but like it's, just it's a good thing to scratch on or right. what have you. We do have ours ratchet strapped onto a stand that we made. Yeah. This will not stop a grizzly bear. Right. But it would deter, or not deter, but potentially save our hives if a deer was scratching on it per se. Okay. Yeah. Right? But we don't have ours electric either. <laughs> One time I was trying to move a pig and the pig got out. Did I tell oh, you I about this? Oh, I remember that. That was last <laughs> summer, right? Yeah, yeah, she was due with her first litter, and nothing ever goes easy for us. So I was right. trying to move her, but she can't see because of her ears. Yes. And she went directly under our top bar <laughs> beehive, and it got stuck on her back, and she totally dumped it. Oh, and Doug was so mad. I was like, well, I can't – I couldn't direct her, but yeah. <laughs> Turns out they were built really well, so it was fine, and there was no bees in it. So could you imagine an angry <laughs> sow running around with bees everywhere? <laughs> Running around with the hive on her back and the yeah. bees sticking the shit out of her. It'd be horrible. <laughs> I'd just go back in the house. I'm done. I tried. I don't know what to do here. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. Protect Life against sock. bears and pigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or God. ants. If you have ants going yeah. in, we have a top bar. So we just put oil on the legs and they could, they got stuck in the, in the oil. oil. I guess it was tire. tire i guess it was tar tar on the bottom of the legs yeah yeah there's a whole um people have problems with mice too the Mm -hmm. the pest again i think that will be an episode in the future like Mm -hmm. bee parasites and pests but if you're having problems with any of those things know that there's solutions out there there are wait for our episode whenever that comes out right 
it's, you can't, you can't cover it all. It's already right. a two parter. I right. had to really restrain myself to keep it down to two parts. So far in our bee series, we've covered the ins and outs of the hive, the colony, and the bees themselves, and also the history. So we've talked about the different equipment that is available and how to get it set up. So now we're charging forward into acquiring bees and how to care for them and reap the rewards. Finally, all about that honey, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're here for. Right. And the wax. <laughs> yeah. Choosing your bees. There are many different breeds of bees, and which one you would choose will vary based on what you are looking for and your climate. The two most common breeds are Italian and Carniolan. So Italian beads are good comb producers, and this is important if bee wax harvest is your thing, and are known for their large broods. This gives them a quick and vigorous colony growth. They do have a reputation for being a nice, calm, and gentle bee. The toss-up on them is that they tend to maintain a very large winter colony size. This is great for heat and general winter survival, but they do need more honey stores for all those mouths, and this can require you to supplement feed them if you have a long winter. And then carniolan bees are another popular choice. This is usually one of the two types that you get a choice of when you are buying bees in my area anyway. Mm -hmm. That's very common. And they are great producers and maintain a much smaller winter colony. Again, less maintenance on your part. They do have a reputation for being slightly more excitable than Italians and also have a higher tendency to swarm. And we will talk about this too, but it's when all the bees just leave your hive. And we've had these guys a lot and they have, I think three out of four of them have left. Oh, really? Yeah. We caught one. Yeah. And then they swarmed again. So oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can happen. A nightmare. And there are a bunch of hybrid bees as well to like look into. There are charts online or in books that lay out the breeds and their positives and negatives. If you have an extreme climate or a specific need from your bees, that's when you'll want to be careful in selecting your breed. For most people though, any bee will be great. You don't get too overwhelmed by it, I guess. Yeah, it's not something, and also, I mean, there's a little bit more to this as well, but you can change bee bee breeds um, by just changing the queen. Okay. Too. So if you decide wow. that like, hey, I don't like, well, because right, they're all offspring of right. her. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't take too terribly long after replacing a queen to get all new bees, right? Yeah. So the bee supplier in our local area, there's one option and it's a cold hardy hybrid. Yeah. Um, that doesn't even really have an official name. <laughs> it's just, nice. just what it is. That's yeah. what we have. Um, and you may be limited in that way that the local choice is this one bee. This. Yeah. yeah. Don't stress out too much about it. No. Yeah. With that being said, we did, we have a new queen. I have no idea what she is, but she was from a different place. A friend gave her to us. Oh, wow. She ordered too many and gave one. Yeah. So like one of those hives, I don't even know what they are. I guess that's my point is there's, there's a lot of choices, but also it doesn't matter. Right. (laughs) Kind of matters. Kind of doesn't matter. Right. Right. Don't get too stressed out. It is fun to learn about the different kinds, but. So just some more housekeeping on obtaining your bees here is that you want to make sure you're buying from someone reputable. Uh, bee diseases are definitely a thing. So you want to make sure you start off with good stock. Um, there's basically two different ways to buy bees, either in a package or in a nuke. So we'll start with a package of bees. It definitely seems to be the most common method that people get their bees. Um, although I would argue maybe not the best. So let's look at them both. A package of bees is, this is insane. It's a certain weight of bees. They measure bees in pounds Yep. in America anyways. <laughs> in um, America. <laughs> right. But I, I don't know. That would be interesting. It's, if it's half of a newborn. If they still. <laughs> <laughs> That's... For weighing by people. Right. 
Oh my gosh. Um, commonly a package of bees is around three pounds. It will vary depending on who's providing them, but that usually works out to be about 11,000 bees in a single queen, which is, I just think it's funny to like scoop out bees and put them on a scale sort of situation, but that's kind of how it's done. You owe me a quarter of a pound of bees. (laughs) A quarter of a pound of bees. Yes. Right. Uh, Which I guess is probably easier than counting 11,000 bees. Mm -hmm. Anyhow. You can edit the number of pounds of bees with some companies. Like some companies you can order specifically, I want six pounds of bees or what have you. Yeah. The local guy, he sells them in three or five pound packs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So basically they're just contained in a mesh-sided box. Think like a large shoe box as Mm -hmm. far as size goes. And the queen is separated in her own smaller mesh box, a little bit bigger than she is. She's not isolated she'll have some attendants with her as well but she's she's in her own thing typically they have a tin can that has bee feed in it as well to sustain them on their travels so the con to this option is that there's a little bit more that can go wrong with a package versus a nuke but really they're quite easy like hundreds of tens of thousands i don't know however many newbies start out with a package of bees and have wild success it's not necessarily the fact that there's a little more to them should not necessarily be a deterrent, right? especially if packages are the only thing available in your area. Start yeah. with that. You'll be fine. You don't need to necessarily go hunting out a nuke. Um, the biggest thing is that they need to accept this new queen and then get straight to work on building their home since they're starting with nothing, right? And the queen is stored the way she is uh, because it keeps her protected from the bees, but also they can smell her and get used to her. So while yeah. they're traveling from the point that that package of bees is made to sell to the point that it gets to your house, the hive, the colony there has had time to be exposed to her, right. which helps her helps them accept her, right? Otherwise they'll kill her. Yeah, because basically what happens when they make these bees is they'll literally take like a scoop of bees out of your package may come with like all of the same bees from that one hive, or it may be yeah. from several different hives, right. the worker bees in that package. And then they just... From their queen breeding operation, they select queen and put it in. Right. So these bees all just met themselves, right? Yeah. So another potential con is that you do have to feed these girls once you bring them home because they don't have any honey stores right. set up. So that means that you will need to purchase and prep a feeder. There are several feeders available on the market. They all seem to have pros and cons to them. Do some research, talk to some local people. The biggest piece of advice that I really have on this is that um, you want to feed inside the hive. Don't ever feed outside of the hive or at the entrance of the hive because this encourages robbing from other insects and even mammals as well, other Mm -hmm. honeybees. Um, And it creates just unnecessary stress and competition for your brand new honeybees that are just trying to set up shop as it is. Package of bees, though... A pro to them definitely is that they usually are significantly cheaper than a nuke. And you sort of start out with more bees, sort of, I'll I'll explain. So a nuke then is spelled N-U-C and it's short for nucleus. And this is because essentially you're buying the center of a hive. So these usually either come in, um, well, they come in boxes. Sometimes they're wood and they look truly like a miniature hive. Sometimes they're cardboard, like a disposable yeah. cardboard, which is I would how say most of them. them. Yeah, most yeah. nukes are with a disposable cardboard type yeah. situation. Exactly. Um, inside of that box, whatever it is, you're going to find a miniature hive. There's usually four or five frames. And these have honey, bee bread, and brood. And the queen bee already included 
already working away with her established colony of worker bees. Yeah. They're ready to go. So there's less that can go wrong with this setup as the colony's already working, already established, already accepted the queen, already have brood on the way. However you pay for that. They typically cost quite a bit more financially. Um, and then they are always on deep. I don't know, always. Maybe you can get special things. But most of the time they're on deep frames. So if okay. you're looking to do a top bar, it might not even be an option, right? Yeah, we just have yeah. never tried the nukes because of that issue. But we do have a Langstroth, so maybe we'll try it this upcoming spring. Yeah, so yeah, if you're doing any hive that's not a Langstroth, you might be limited right. on the nuke. Maybe look into that because I'm not sure if you if there's a way to transfer them gracefully or not. Other ways that you can acquire bees, sometimes you can buy entire colonies of bees, like from somebody getting out of the hobby or moving or whatever. Again, just be careful with this disease and such. Do your research on the person selling them. And um, if you have an experienced beekeeper to come with you to check, fantastic. Yeah. Catching a wild swarm is another great option too, especially if the budget is tight. Um, this will require some upfront research on your part though. This is definitely the more challenging option for the newbie. Um, but free. Well, we've done it a couple of times now. And mm-hmm. it, if you're interested in it, just get lemongrass oil, essential oil right now. Yep. And start researching and then get your name out so people know to call you. Exactly. I can't tell you how many times we've got called yeah. in the spring. Um, yep. And sometimes we can't show up, so we'll call another beekeeper. Yep. And that's great. Like, just make this community of beekeepers or people who are interested in beekeeping and go from there. Yeah, exactly. But that is. And then, sorry, I was going to say that you can get make swarm boxes too. So mm-hmm. if you know there's an area that get a lot of traffic from bees and you want to catch a swarm, that's a great way to do it yeah. is to make a swarm box. And you can look into how to do that. There's millions of ways to do that. Yeah, for sure. The The thing I'll say about swarm catching is that like Tara's saying, you do have to get your name out there. So if you are dead set about having bees in April, 2022, and you're just starting, maybe don't count on a swarm. No, right? especially However, in April. It's going to be yeah, later, right. usually. Yeah, it depends on where you live, probably. Yeah. But um, if you are financially really strapped and your husband or wife says, I'm done with more farm hobbies, you're not spending another penny, building a, a top bar hive, right? get a new husband or wife, Kidding. build yourself a top bar hive out of materials you have laying yeah. around and wait on a swarm because you can do it for 100% free. Yeah. So... It's just something to know about. And swarming, the whole concept of swarming, how it happens, how to catch one, the whole nine yards, I have that jotted down for a future episode too because mm-hmm. that's, that's a big topic. So so installing your bees. Let's start with installing a package because it is slightly more complicated than a nuke. Remember the nuke already has everything, the honey, the bee bread, and everything. This queen is established and laying. Everyone's used to each other. So the package not everyone's used to each other or they're getting used to each other. It's a little bit more complicated. So you'll start with one deep brood box and an entrance reducer set to the smallest opening. So go ahead and remove three frames or so, so you have the room. And this is, this is about a Langstroth just for yes. the yes. record. Yes. Yeah. Right. If you want to install into a top RB hive, you're going to have to look on YouTube and see it's probably pretty fairly similar. easy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. So, Although you probably won't need it, go ahead and get your smoker lit and ready to go just in case. At that time, the bees are pretty like confused, so yeah. they're not going to necessarily sting as much, but they will sting if you put your hand around them, per se. Well, and the thing is, like the smoker is about driving them deeper into the hive Yeah, um, for a lot of reasons, but 
they don't have an established hive. The smoker's yeah. really just like, shit's hit the fan. I need to calm right. these bees down and get calm out of here. Calm these bees down, yeah. yeah. And you have your package. Start with inspection. Some dead bees are normal for sure. If there's an inch of dead bees on the bottom, you need to call your supplier. So some people will let their bees sit in a cool location for an hour after transport. And you'll just want to read your bees the best you can. And a note on transport, don't go with your kids and take all of your kids and then put the bees in the car and then warm up the car with your kids. Our suppliers are always like, please leave your kids and pets at home. Yeah. If you can, because it's not a great situation to mix all of these and you want them to stay cool so they're not super active. Yeah. In, when and you're that's maybe transporting that, them. That is worth talking about because as a newbie, I was panicked about them. Um, yeah. About picking them up. And I kind of wanted Brian to go do it by himself, but I sucked it up and went anyways. I thought there was going to be bees all over the car. I mean, like, no, really. it's, it's definitely not like that. No. And I like, we were going to take the pickup and I, I made sure we had a situation that they could stay contained in the bed of the pickup because I did not want yeah. them in there. When we arrived, the guy had them separated significantly from his actual hives and the way the nukes were, there was no bees flying around. We put them in the cab. We kept the AC on. So it was cool yeah. in there and there was zero issue. So, right. Yeah. Your kids and pets don't need to be there because chances are there's bees, like you're saying, flying around at the person's property or what have you. You right. don't need kid knocking the lid off of a bee um, box or package well, or whatever. And um, the supplier doesn't want to worry about your kids and your pets. It's a liability. Yeah. Right. At the same time, it's not tra- it's not nearly as big of a deal as you might think. At least I thought it was going to be a massive deal. It's not. No. Yeah. So just a note on that. Yeah, Absolutely. And- when you're close to ready to install them, like 30 minutes or so, a handy trick is to spray them with a sugar syrup. And this sounds bizarre, but the reasoning is quite simple. Being covered in syrup means that they will be busy cleaning themselves and less worried about you handling them. It also gives them a quick snack before being installed into their new home. It's a really good way to distract them. If you've ever taken a kid to a store yeah. and given him a sucker so you can have 10 right. minutes of peace, it's essentially <laughs> the same it's thing. the same exact thing. Right. And you can also use that sugar spray to give your frames a light coating. And that way, when they get into the hive, they have something to work on immediately. They love to work, right? Mm-hmm. And next, you'll use your hive tool to pry wood tops off, but keep it handy. Um, you'll find the sugar can underneath. To remove the sugar can, you want bees off of the can. To do this, you can slightly thump the box onto the ground. This sounds insane, but you won't hurt them. You can spray them again with sugar syrup if you want to and remove the can and replace the wood cover just loosely is fine. Now to remove the queen. The queen cage is usually attached near where the can is and you'll definitely see it. And the cage typically has one end that is filled with candy. And it's usually one of those little colored marshmallows in our case. Mm -hmm. That's the typical. Yeah, marshmallows are the most common for sure. Right. And one time we had a supplier not put like it was like half of one of those marshmallows mm-hmm. and just add another out. one right oh no, the queen got out oh before we even got there oh crap we just didn't notice um so that was a disaster because the queen like got away and the supplier didn't want to replace the queen oh it was seriously totally their fault yeah so oh. that was a nightmare that can definitely happen although i will yeah. say it's rare we just stopped buying from that supplier yeah obviously they're not doing a good job well, what's interesting too is um, when Brian did the split on the queen that I said, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, she came obviously in her own little box with right. a cork because 
she just came by herself, right? Yeah. So you were supposed to take the cork out and put a marshmallow in. Right. Brian was like, I don't know, overexcited or not thinking through or whatever. He took the cork out, put her in, closed up the box and walked away. (laughs) Oh, no. So I was like, oh, how'd the marshmallow go? And he's like, oh, crap, I totally forgot, you know? And she was fine. It actually turned out to be our best hive this year. Right, right. And the reason behind the marshmallow is that they'll eat through it by the time that the pheromones are released to the bees so that they're used to it. That's usually what they figured out. Yeah, but... If you still have the queen and stuff, I would just keep moving forward, even if something mm-hmm. crazy happens. But do contact your supplier. Be like, hey, right. l- listen Hopefully they're up. better yeah. than ours. <laughs> right. To install the queen, look up a visual on this and decide the method you are most comfortable with. Some people use a staple or a nail off the package to hook her cage to a frame. This is what we usually do. And you can usually also use a rubber band and strap her cage to the frame. Either way, you need to suspend the queen in the cage onto the frame and you'll want to put the queen cage frame near the center of the hive in a Langstroth hive and now to get ready to install the rest of the colony there are a couple ways to do that so the no shake method you can simply put the entire package into the hive open it up and then close up the hive this is so simple but you do have to come back in a day or so make sure they have moved out and then remove the box you don't want them to decide to stay in the box and start building comb in there because you're going to have a hell of a mess if you do it that way and then the shake method this is usually what you see most of the time it's the most traditional way but also a little crazy have everything you need ready before you start and then walk through the steps in your mind You're going to spray them again with sugar just a little just to calm them down and give them something to do. Thump them down so that you have time and room to get the box open. Then you're going to remove the lid, invert the box so the opening is at the empty space where you remove the three frames and start shaking. A quick downward thrust is a good start. So you're going to go just thrust it down, I guess. (laughs) So you're going to go, she goes silent and acts it out. I acted it out. (laughs) This is not a video platform, Tara. I pulled a Stephanie. Yep. But if you look on YouTube, you're going to find a video of it. You got to be hardy with that shake. I was going to say, please do not attempt this without watching a YouTube video because you, right, you're right. You have to be way more aggressive with this whole process than you think you would ever survive from. Right. And it's like... When you watch the very first, at least for me, I was more on the fence about the bees. I will say that. Yeah. Um, I was more like, it's oh, a little scary, you know? <laughs> um, and then you watch these videos and you're like, you have to do what? <laughs> you're kidding me. You do what? Yeah. Um, what? The more videos you watch, the more comfortable you get with it. And then once you've done it once, it's not that big of a deal. No. A side-to-side dump can work well, too. You want to move quickly because the longer you have the top of the hive open, the more bees that are escaping. And once you have the majority out, set the package in front of the hive entrance. Hustle to add your inner cover to the top of the hive. This method goes from calm contained bees to relatively chaos. But don't worry, you're doing great. You're doing a good job. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just part of it. This is like the wildest your bees will ever be because they're just not organized like bees should be. Yeah. And most likely just because they have no idea what's going on. That makes sense, right? And it's likely a rite of passage as like a beekeeper. And don't worry about any bees left in the package or any that escaped. The ones that made it into the hive will be sending out the pheromones to signal the others to join them. And make sure you feed them. Whether you set that up before or after will depend on what type of feeder you ended up getting. And bam, you're done. Simple, right? 
right. clear as mud, right? Right. And you'll just want to come back in a couple of days to make sure that the queen has been released and to check on the syrup in your feeders. Ours go through it like crazy in the beginning, mm -hmm. so you want to make sure that that's covered. Uh, this is a trick that we've been doing because we are chaotic people. Our, we leave honey back. So if yeah. some of the bees die, like we've lost a couple of colonies now, we'll leave frames in there for them to eat, and we won't have to worry because they clean it up. Right. And then they also are eating that honey. It's really fascinating. Yeah. So that's if you have like an established, if you've had an established hive at one point. Right. Um, we have some honey that wasn't, or some frames that weren't all the way capped. So the yeah. honey wasn't quite ready, but they're in yeah. our freezer for that same sort of, if we ever need to supplement feed for any reason, we it's have there. them ready to go. Yeah. But when you're just starting, you don't have that luxury. No. Yeah. So now to install a nuke, it's much, much more controlled. You'll open up your hive and remove the most of the frames so you have space. It's important to keep the nuke frame installed in the same order in which they were in the nuke box. And orient it, orient, and orient them in the center of your new hive. Again, remember nucleus. You can inspect these frames as you remove them from the nuke and into the hive. And you look very fancy and like you know what you're doing if you do this too. <laughs> Hold it up. Yeah. Yes, I know exactly what I'm looking at. And you're looking for feed storage, brood, and especially the queen. If you can't find her, no worries. If you see brood, chances are good she's there and working. And now add the remaining new frames on the outside of the nuke, filling the rest of the box. Install the covers and entrance reducer as well. And you're done. Nukes are as simple as that. Moving frames from one box to another. Yeah, we much prefer them. Yeah. But you do pay for them, so it's a trade. Everything's a trade-off. Yeah. So observing your hive... Um, we're going to kind of go through the rest of this fairly quickly. The point of this was to get you guys started. We, we got right. you the equipment. We got you the bees. What more do you want? Right. But there are some just general observing things to look for and know. But this is like the cliff, right? So start down the rabbit hole. So when you're first starting out, it's good. If you do have the time, it's not mandatory to check once a week. Um, this just helps you build knowledge because a lot of this stuff is you just have to see it. Um, yeah. So if you don't, like the first year we had bees, we didn't have time. I think we got in there like three times the entire year. Yeah. Um, and we lucked out and everything was just fine. But right. it did set our learning back, I think. So you want to make sure you have all of your gear prepped and ready, your smoker lit, et cetera, before you even start digging around in your hive. So when you get to your hive, go ahead and blow some smoke in the entrance. And then a quick tip is don't stand at the entrance itself. It makes you threatening. Um, they feel like they need to protect that opening to the hive. So yeah. just stand to the side. You're going to lift one side of the cover and blow a little smoke in there. Wait 10 seconds or so before moving forward. And once you've smoked them, you can set your smoker down and remove the covers. One thing I can't not say, this should be Tara's line because you're the firefighter. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the ladies that has helped us throughout the years um, is actually a fire chief. And yeah. she was here and she like before we even got, we hadn't even made a mistake. And she's like, now listen here. You know what I mean? But <laughs> this thing is a can of fire, right? It's yeah. literal fire. Right. A lot of times you're beekeeping in the summer. Don't set this thing on the ground of dry grass. Right. Right. Have somewhere secure. We, uh, it was Brian's idea. It's really, it was really smart, but he has a, like a big, huge galvanized bucket that he can hang the thing on so that it's oh, like isolated smart. from everything else. And then he can add water to that bucket whenever he's done. Oh, you know what I mean? To put the yeah. smoker out. So we have cinder 
yeah, cinder blocks that's near a good ours. Idea too. So uh, obviously, cement can't catch on fire. Right. We make sure that the grass is always weeded down around the yeah. area. It's just one of those things that you may not think about until you're standing there and you're like, oh shit, where am I going to put this thing? Right. right. Now you're so just, <laughs> they're yeah. all smoked and waiting for you and right. you have no place to put it. Yes. You're, you're just, just holding there. the can of fire. Yeah. Right. Um, so you may find also, once you get in there, that the parts of the hive are stuck together. This is super common. It's usually either propyl- propolis or wax. This is where your hive tool comes in and you can just kind of loosen things up. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're in the hive, the more you break, the more they have to fix. So when you're moving around in there and the more they have to fix, the less they're working on honey. That's the whole point. So just use some sense, but also if you've got to open it, you've got to open it. You've got to break stuff up. That's super normal. So now to examine the frames, you're going to start with the outside frame first. Use your hive tool to loosen it up if you need to, and then gently wipe the bees out of your way if you need, if there's bees on there before grabbing the frame. So A, you don't want to get stung. And you also don't want to kill any of the bees for obvious right. reasons. Also, you start killing bees, the other bees are going to take note. Yep. And be like, threat. hey, alarm. This. There's a threat. Yeah, exactly. And if you do start seeing that they're getting all riled up and smoking is mm-hmm. only working so much and you're getting overwhelmed, close yeah. them up. Come exactly. back another day. Exactly. Yeah. Good advice. Basically, just take your time, move slowly and gently, and, and you'll be just fine. So you're going to start with the outside frame, most likely because there's going to be the least amount of bees on it. Remember, because they work from the inside or the middle of the hive box out. So by removing this frame, um, you're going to get less offense from them for sure. But then it also gives you plenty of room to where now you can examine the other frames with less disruption. So now you can move into frame two, slide it into the opening, frame three, slide it down, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that you don't, I guess it's just a less disruptive way of doing things rather than pulling the center frame out, right? So what you're looking for once you actually get in there, several things, and not in no particular order, but the finding the queen or proof of the queen is going to be a top priority to you. So sometimes, especially when you're learning, and if you have an unmarked queen, finding her can be super hard to do. And some people just are really good at it. Brian found the queen really easily. I always kind of struggled with it. I do too. And until I saw her... And got good at, you know what I mean? Like, it's right. like definitely training. Once you see it, then it's a little bit easier yeah. to identify. I did watch a ton of videos. I thought I was prepared. Um, no. There's just a it's, lot of bees. It can be right. really hard. Yeah. And then yeah. it's just chaotic sometimes. So. Yes. And I tend to get a little nervous. And, right. Yeah. Ultimately, the actual finding of the queen itself is just icing on the cake. The truth is, if you are identifying eggs and brood, you know you have a queen. And eggs in particular confirm that the queen has been there in the last two days at least. Yeah. Uh, because remember, they only stay eggs for about three days and then go on to the next stage, right? So right. if you see the eggs, you know that you have a queen working at least fairly recently. And the eggs are just tiny little white spots. Like think of really small rice. Just hold the frame up to the sun. Sometimes you need to tilt it to examine the cells. But again, this is where that black foundation comes in handy. They're really easy to see in there. Then you're also, well, not then, just in general, you're going to be looking at the frames for brood and food. So look them over, see what's going on, make some mental notes of brood to food ratios between the cells. Keep in mind there's about 7,000 cells on a single deep frame, so generalizations are fine. These ratios are going to change throughout the season. It's just good to kind of see, look, make notes on. If it's different next year, you know something may be going on, that kind of stuff. You'll also want to inspect the brood. So are the cappings on the cells healthy? 
Are they sunken in? Are they perforated? Um, if any of that is the case, you may have some issues, some sort of disease going on. Yeah. Check the lay pattern. So ideally, as the queen goes along, she lays an egg in every single cell that isn't intended for food. And keep remember, the worker bees set all this up for her prior, right? So food is generally stored on the peripheral areas of the frame. Um, if in the center you're finding that there's a lot of empty cells mixed in with brood and egg, you may need to replace your queen because remember, she as she ages, she's not as good at laying consistently or she may be sick too. But you don't want a bunch of empty cells. Checking for room is probably, knowing you have a queen and checking for room are like the two most important things you can do. Yeah. Do they have enough room to expand? So if they're filling up the frames in the hive, you'll want to consider giving them more room. Depending on um, what stage you're at will depend on exactly what that means. You'll either be adding a second brood box or stacking one or even more than that honey supers on top. You want to add space a little at a time. It just helps keep them um, organized and regulated and their space defendable as well. So you don't want to install a nucleus and then install three brood boxes and four honey supers because they'll be completely overwhelmed with that. Yeah. So if they do feel like they're running out of room, they may prepare to swarm. And like we had kind of mentioned before, swarming's when half or more of the bees leave with the existing queen and attempts to find a bigger hive. Um, ideally, they've left enough bees behind that those ones can start their own co- colony. <laughs> They'll raise up a queen. That doesn't that's not always been work. our case. No. That's never been our case. Yeah, a lot of times that's not not what happens. A lot of times you go out there and there's a completely empty hive. Yeah, so, they're just like, bye. Mm-hmm. See ya. So either way, it'll either set your honey production back or, or you will have a completely empty hive. Yeah. You don't want it. So we'll be covering swarming in another episode because it is super interesting. But um, just know if you are moving forward before we get that episode out, do some research on it. And that's about it for your average hive check. As you become more, more experienced, you may find that one thing leads you to checking something else and so on. But really, the first year is just about learning what you're looking for and learning how a hive progresses. Look at lots of pictures and videos before you go over there. If you have a local beekeeper to come help you and show you what you're looking at, which is what we did with our friend, Kathy, she was like, Hey, see this, this is what this is. See that? Yeah. That's what that is. And that's, that's like helpful. the quickest way to learn. Yeah. Right. If you don't have that, fine. YouTube has so many things you can, yeah. you can really see a lot. The other thing that Brian and I both found really helpful is that we both went out and checked the hives the first year, yeah. um, every single time. And he would be the one manipulating and doing, and I would just have the the camera, the cell phone taking yeah. the video the whole time. And so then we could go back and look in a calm environment, right? Where we're not worried about pissing off the bees or what have you. Pause right. the video, look closer, that kind of stuff. That's a good idea too. If you're by yourself, it's definitely more challenging because you'll have your gloves on and all of that. But yeah, anyways. get a tripod. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then you could hold the frame up to it. So just, I know I've said this like a couple times, I'm being really insecure with this episode, <laughs> put a lot of work into it. And I still feel <laughs> like I didn't cover anywhere near enough. Um, so future episodes, right. This, if you've never researched bees, this is going to be, seem very overwhelming. If you were hoping we were going to go into more detail, we will. We just had to start with something. We have to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. So 
be patient. We're going to do our best to help you guys out and as timely as possible. Like we didn't talk about honey extraction whatsoever, right? No. Hopefully no. we can time that to where we can get that done before the fall when, which is when right. you would be when doing you that. should be doing right. it. Well, um, you have to pop out a baby. So like there's I other... do have to push out a child, right? Yeah. A whole um, child. A couple other things going on, but we're going to do, right. we really are going to do our best. If you have bee fever now and need more, just a couple things I'm just going to mention to you that are interesting or important to know about. Bee parasites and diseases, swarming, queen cells, bee communication, honey harvests and products. Um, those would be all some things that I would recommend that you dig into on your own if you can't wait for us. So uh, hopefully this gives you guys a starting A jumping point. off point. You need yeah. a jumping off point. And you need somebody to hold your hand and say it's going to be okay. Because right. guess what? It it's really going to be okay. Yeah. Bees right. are like the coolest thing um they're the only thing in fact that we've decided that we are for sure expanding next year oh that's yeah. interesting so we yeah. love them um they're definitely a very rewarding thing for not a lot of work um seriously it's not like you have to go milk a bee yeah. twice a day no right god can you imagine Eleven thousand. <laughs> nobody would them? be a beekeeper then <laughs> oh my gosh so Anyhow, hopefully this gives you a starting point. If you have any topics on bees in particular you would like to have us do episodes on, send them yeah. to us. I want to do one podcast on... at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Get a hold of us on milkmatespodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Don't forget to review, rate, subscribe, all those things. Download some episodes so we get better right. numbers. Uh, but I was going to say, mites have taken out several of mine just because, yeah. I don't know, it just got away from us. And yeah. it's really sad when that happens. So it's definitely yeah. something I want to cover in future episodes. We lost our best hive to mites. And it was just oh, because we so just, there's a rumor out there that you don't need to treat first year bees for mites. Yeah, that's not, not true. true. Um, anyhow, so if you do, if you do dig into bee parasites and diseases, you will find a lot of information on mites and we'll for sure be covering that at some point because it is, yeah, you're right. It's very important. Yeah. And comes with experience. Well, yeah, this, hopefully this helped you in some form and fashion. <laughs> We tried, okay? We tried. tried. You did a great job on the outline, Stephanie. (laughs) Thank you. I need that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We got to go. We got to go. Bye. We got things to do. Happy milking. Happy beekeeping. Bye. Bye. Bye.